Would you turn with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and let's continue on in the word that the Lord's been leading us on these services. Hebrews 12, if you remember from last night and the night before, we were all excited about the subject of correction. Remember that? We were all <laughs> excited and pumped up. When you see this from the Word, then you realize what a positive thing godly correction is. That it's a gift. Did you hear me? See, a lot of times people haven't thought like that, but godly correction is mercy. It's grace. It's divine love. It's a gift. And when you understand it and you think right, you'll say, Lord, correct me. Right? See, sometimes I've heard people say ignorant things. You ever heard anybody say any ignorant things? I've heard people say, oh, don't pray that the Lord would correct you. No, don't pray that the Lord would teach you about humility. Oh, no, no, no. Man, you're alive. You, you pray like that. Whew, ain't no telling what will happen to you. <laughs> that's ignorance. I said that's ignorance and immaturity. No, if you're off, you need to get back on. And the sooner the better. Right? How many of you would say, uh, Lord, if I'm off, show me. Is that your heart? Lord, if I'm wrong about something, if I'm thinking wrong about something, if I'm going the wrong way, please correct me. Help me. Have mercy on me. Show me where I'm wrong. And that's what this passage talks about. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we'll begin reading at the 5th verse, and I'm reading in the Living Translation. Hebrews 12, 5. He said, Have you quite forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his child? He said, My son, don't be angry when the Lord punishes you. Don't be discouraged when he has to show you where you're wrong. For when he punishes you, it proves that he loves you. When he whips you, it proves you're really his child. Let God train you, for he's doing what any loving father does for his children. Who ever heard of a son who was never corrected? If God doesn't punish you when you need it, as other fathers punish their sons, then it means that you aren't really God's son at all, that you don't really belong in his family. Since we respect our fathers here on earth, though they punish us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to God's training so that we can begin really to live? Everybody said out loud, cheerfully. cheerfully. Submit, submit to God's training. To God's training. Goes on in verse 10 in the living, says, Our earthly fathers trained us for a few brief years, doing the best for us they knew how. But God's correction is always right and for our best good, that we may share his holiness. Being punished isn't enjoyable while it's happening. It hurts. But afterwards, we can see the result, a quiet growth in grace and character. So take a new grip with tired hands and stand firm on the shaky legs. Mark out a straight, smooth path for your feet so that those who follow you, though weak and lame, will not fall and hurt themselves, but become strong. Glory to God. Say it out loud. Thank God. Thank 
for the correction of our Father. Now we went into some detail about how correction is necessary for all of us. I mean, it's it's pride, it's ignorance to act like that you never need to be corrected. Right? I use this illustrations, but I'll I'll repeat it. We have some folks that weren't with us before, but you know, I've had people tell me they got a fourteen year old daughter, and they're telling me that they've never had to correct this young girl. Never had to correct her, never had to uh, punish her. Never had to discipline her. She's such an angel. No, she's a terror. I can tell you that. Did you hear me? Never been corrected? There's no such thing as a child that never needs to be corrected. Never needs to be punished. Now, some require more than others. (laughs) Some get it the first time. Others don't get it the tenth time. But you got to stay with it. Don't give up. Don't give up. You got to stay with it. And just like children in the natural need to be corrected and disciplined, we're God's little children, 1 John said. We must be corrected and at times disciplined. And uh, we, we use the illustration of driving a car or of flying an airplane. You got to make corrections on your steering. Or elsewise, you get in the wrong lane. Elsewise, you couldn't get out of the driveway. If you said, well, no, I'm not making any corrections. I don't believe in corrections. You start the car and put it in gear and hit the gas pedal. How many know you're not going to make it far? <laughs> if you don't believe in some course changes and corrections, right? You, ha- you made how many course corrections with your steering wheel if you drove over here? How many? I mean, it'd be thousands just on a short trip. You're always correcting just a little bit, just a little bit. Now, if you get way off course, if you're running off the road, getting in the wrong lane, you need to make a bigger correction, right? So you don't stay in the wrong place too long. Get over here. But uh, most of the time, if you're in the right place, you just make small corrections, small corrections, and it keeps you right where you should be. In life, it's that way. If we keep making all day, day in, day out, day to day, make little corrections, little corrections, then you always stay where you should be. If you get off and way off, then you need some major correction. And get back in and then make the small corrections. Every day, you should be noticing things. Noticing things in your confession. Noticing things in your thinking. And so many times it's not so, it may not be something huge and radical, but it's something that needs to be tweaked. You thought, well, now I, I shouldn't have said that that way. I mean, the first part of that was good, but the last part of that left a wrong impression. So let's don't use that word. Let's use this word. Right? How many of us understand you should be working on your words all the time and your communication with God and, and other people and your believing and, and realizing in your thinking, well, now that's good, but that, that ain't good because the word says this. If you're growing, you're going to be noticing things like that every day. Every day. If you go six months and don't notice a thing you need to change, then you're not growing. And you're deceived. You think you've arrived. And all your friends know you ain't. (laughs) You're the only one who thinks so. (laughs) But anyway, we talked about that. And um, we talked about last night about receiving or rejecting correction. We gave examples of how Saul, 
he, he refused correction. And boy, it was at a critical time in his life. And when he rebelled against the correction that the Lord was giving him through the man of God, that was the end. I mean, from that point on, he went down. His life was cut short. His reign, his ministry was cut off. But David, King David, on by contrast, though he sinned grievously, I mean, he, he really messed up. Yet, he humbled himself genuinely. He didn't make excuses. He didn't try to blame it on somebody else, even though he was king. And he could have demanded that nobody tell him that he was wrong. When the man of God looked at him and said, you're the man. What did he do? He humbled himself right there on the spot. He said, oh, I've sinned. I've sinned. And he humbled himself. And even when some things happened to him because of his sin, he didn't rebel against it and act like he deserved better. He said, I've sinned. I've missed God. And because he did that, God had mercy on him. And in spite of his sin and in spite of all it cost him, restored him. And in his latter times, he had honor. He lived out his full life, even though he missed it so badly. How many know God's a merciful God? But you must be correctable, right? He's a merciful God, but you and I must be repentant when we've missed it. We must receive our correction, right? So let's go on this evening talking about some other things that that tie into this. Uh, Look with me, if you would, in um, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We asked a question last night, and let's go on to answer it. Second Corinthians, the 10th chapter. In talking about this subject, there is something you should not omit. We all require some correction. But there is a question that should be asked and answered. Who should correct whom? Do you know what I mean by that? Who should correct whom? We, we saw last night in both of these individuals with Samuel, God using Samuel to correct Saul, God using Nathan to correct uh, David. These were men that God had used previously in their life to help them get to where they are. This was not just somebody off the street. Did you hear me? Now, we've got some things in uh, charismatic circles. And in word and faith circles where there's gross ignorance of what we're talking about tonight. And you got people that's completely wet behind the ears, spiritually. But they've read three chapters and prayed in tongues for an hour. And they think that they can come correct the pastor. Did you hear me? Come correct an elder. Come correct a father or a mother in the faith. Did you hear me? And they just don't have the place. Even if an elder needed correcting, it's not for them to do it. Did you hear me? So let's talk about this some tonight. Who who should correct whom? Who has the right to speak into somebody's life? In uh, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, are you there? 2 Corinthians 10. I want to read uh, several verses here. Verse 1. 2 Corinthians 10, he said, I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold towards you. 
there, there were major differences in Paul's personality at times. In him just talking to people and being there with them, he, he was humble. Even though he was uh, the apostle that God used to found their church and was over them spiritually, he was not arrogant, he was not haughty, he was humble. But when the Holy Ghost came on him and, and God spoke through him because of their sin or correcting, he was very bold and he was very strong, right? And he went on to say, verse 2, I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. He said that I may not be bold when I'm present with you. Does he want to come and chew on them? No, he does not. Does he want to come and correct them sternly? No, he does not. Now, now here's something that'll help you. People who want to correct other people are not the ones that are even qualified. Did you hear me? Somebody who's always wanting to correct somebody else are the people that need to be corrected themselves and are the immature ones who should be quiet and listen. The ones who really are in position and would, that would be used of God to correct, they don't desire to do it. Did you hear me? They don't want to do it. They'd rather speak blessing. They'd rather, you understand what I'm saying? There's been a number of times in my life that the Lord dealt with me about correction. And man, I don't want to do it. The thing that would keep me from, you know, not doing it is I don't want to disobey God. That's the big thing. But there's been many a time. I, I know the Lord dealt with me years and years ago. There was a particular situation where he dealt with me to come and deal with two uh, two ladies in a situation. And I thought, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go talk to them. I don't want to tell them that. They're liable to get mad. They're liable to not like me anymore. I don't want to do Man, I, I think I prayed almost all night long about that, trying to get out of it, trying to. You understand what I'm saying? I don't, I don't want to do that. But see, if you get to where, yeah. You know, I'm going to correct everybody. I'm supposed to, you know, you think you're the Holy Ghost police. (laughs) Then you are the one in the flesh. Did you hear me? And you are the one who's out of your place and got no business correcting somebody else. People who really are in position to do it and are the elders and are the ones God would use, you'll find they don't desire to do it. They don't want to do it. They'll do it because they love you. Did you hear me? They'll endure you not liking them if it'll help you and spare you. Did you hear me? They, they'll obey God, but they don't look for people to correct. It makes me happy when I go in and out of churches and in and out of meetings and there was no correction. That makes me happy. I, I like to come. Let's come shout. Let's come be happy. Amen. Let's, let's talk about prosperity and being healed. Amen. Let's, let's talk about Good things and happy times, but we also need some correction. And so there are times when the Lord will bring things up and all, you know, God uses his ministers and he speaks through them. And there are times when we need to yield to that. But here's here's a big thing now. Correction and discipline without love 
is abuse and cruelty. I'm going to say that again. I want you to think about it. Correction and discipline without love is abuse and cruelty. True godly correction is always in love. Isn't that what we read in our text? Huh? Let me remind you of it. In our text, don't change places, but in our text in Hebrews, I read it to you out of the living. He said, uh, let God train you. For he does what a loving father does. Don't be discouraged when he has to show you when you're wrong. For when he punishes you, it proves that he loves you. I mean, understand all the correction, even the judgment of God is in love. Did you know that? Even the judgment of God is in love. Why? It couldn't help but be anything else. For he is love. Right? So everything he does would have to be from and of and in and to love. Hold your place here and back up a few pages to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, 1 Corinthians 11. He talks about people who are being judged in the church at Corinth, people who were They were being sick. They were dying prematurely. And listen to it. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29. 1 Corinthians 11, 29. He that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation or condemnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, this has a twofold application. They didn't discern that the Lord's body was broken for them, that they might be whole. They didn't see that and understand that. But uh, the big thing that he talked about earlier, they weren't discerning each other. They weren't appreciating each other. They weren't walking in love with each other. That's a big deal. How many know that you, you can't you know, say, well, I love God with all my heart and treat people like dirt and you're going to be okay? Because they're his kids and he loves them just as much as he loves you. Right? How many of you got children in here? Raise your hand. Let me see. You got, you got children. Well, what if I told you, you know, I said, you know, well, me and you are buds. I like you, but I despise your kid. (laughs) But we're still buds, right? Huh? Let's say your, your, your child is down and I kick him while he's down. I hurt him. But you and me are buds, right? That's, that's not the same. I mean, me and you. That doesn't work, does it? Well, nor does it work when you treat somebody else badly and then you show up in church and go, Oh, Father, I love you. I love you with all my heart. And he's going to want to know, what'd you do to my boy? What'd you do to my girl? Right? How many understand God loves all of his kids? I don't care how carnal they are and how much act like a heathen. He still loves them. Right? And if you, if you love him, the Bible said you're going to love them too. Right? If I love you, if I really love you, I care about your kids too. Right? Why? Because, well, it's one of the biggest things you care about. So if I care about you, I have to care about them by right of caring about you. Right? 
And if you love God, First John said, you love his children also. Well, they weren't discerning the Lord's body. They weren't treating each other right. They weren't valuing each other. They were not walking in love, mistreating, maltreating each other. Well, that's one of the biggest things you'll get in trouble for, is treating people wrong. And he said, verse 30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Many have died prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Well, what is judging yourself? It's receiving light. It's receiving correction. It's acting upon it. Right? Judging yourself. Admitting, I missed it. I sinned. Accepting correction. Confessing that you missed it. But if you refuse that, if you say, you know, you're not going to admit that, you're not going to deal with it. If you don't judge yourself, what happens then? You will be judged. And he said, but here's the thing. When we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should what? Not be condemned with the world. Even the judgment of God is in love. Why? He would rather us be judged for it here and now, even if there was years cut off of our life or whatever else, and in that day still be able to stand up with him. Did you hear me? How many understand it's better if stuff comes out now? Than later. Right? But what's better than all of that? Judge yourself. Judge yourself and you don't get judged. You don't get penalized. You don't get punished. Right? What I was saying is even the judgment of God is in love. To spare people so that, you know, you're not accountable for it later. Oh, he's so good. He's so kind. Oh, he's so good. I said he's so good. Go back to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians. Now skip on down. We read the second verse, 2 Corinthians 10. But skip on down to um, 6. He's talking about correction. That's obvious in those first two verses. But in verse 6, he says, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he's Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. And though I should boast somewhat of our authority, which the Lord has given us for what? Building up edification and not for your destruction. Can, can you see he has no desire to come and be harsh with them? That's why, he, that's why he wrote this letter. Right? He's saying, get this straight before I get there. Right? Get this fixed. Get this straight before I get there so we don't even have to talk about it. And you're not just hearing the heart of Paul. You're hearing the heart of God. Right? That's how your father is. Get this straight so you and I don't have to talk about this anymore. Take care of this yourself so that I don't have to deal with it. Because if I have to deal with it, (laughs) it's going to be rough. Right? But even then, it's because I love you so you don't wind up judged later on. Some things are so serious they have to be dealt with. See, we live in a society that makes a mockery of sin. Do you hear a lot of people talk, even in Christian so-called people? I mean, there's nothing really wrong. 
Well, there is right and wrong. And there are things that are serious. They're so serious, they must be dealt with. He wrote to them, you know, they had, uh, you remember in, in this church, they had a man that had uh, taken his uh, father's wife and was living with her. I guess it was a stepmom, and, 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 and here they're living together. And, and the people in the church were, were apparently acting like, well, we're under grace. And you know, the flesh don't matter that much anyhow. And man, I mean, he jacked them up. You know what I mean by that? I mean, he wrote, he said, you, you deal with that. And he wrote to them about some other things and he's telling them, now get this fixed before I get there. So I don't have to come with a rod. Right? See, he is their spiritual father. He is their father in the faith. And and, in today's society, people think pastors are just hirelings to do their praying and counseling and visitation for them. But no. Leaders, I mean pastors in the church, for example. The pastors are the father and the mother. Right? Yeah, daddy and mama love you. But if you need it, they're going to spank you too. Right? And we live in a society that don't even have that concept. They're like, you ain't got no right to stick your nose in my business. Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, they do. You got no right to tell me something's right or wrong. Oh, yes, they do. Read the Bible. Get back to the New Testament. See how Paul ministered. Is there a better example than him? Has God changed? Has ministry changed? No, people have changed. The church has backslid in many places, but God hadn't changed. Right? Now, I don't, I don't believe. You know, we have a church. And I, I don't believe in keeping people babies. I believe people ought to learn how to hear from God for themselves. Yeah. So I said, I got too much going on. Yeah. Tell people what tie they ought to wear and what <laughs> hairstyle they ought to have. I mean, that's, that's your business. Yeah. Right? And for the most part, if you're following God, you don't need to hear from me. Did you hear me? But if people are going to yield to the flesh and they're going to yield to the enemy and they're doing things that influence other people in the church, then it is not okay for me to know it and just watch it destroy people while I stand by and do nothing. I have a responsibility. I'll give, I'll answer for that. Did you hear me? I've had people in the church before, you know, they, they want to run stuff and they want to do this and they want to do that. And I've had to tell them, I told them nice, but I had to say, they said, well, can we do this? Can we do that? And I said, no, no. Well, can we do this? I said, no. <laughs> yeah, but what, surely you're going to let us do this. And I said, no, no. <laughs> Sometimes people say, well, you know, they're telling me this long spell and they're going, well, yeah. So you understand? I said, yeah, yeah, I understand. So can we do it? I said, no. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be hard. But sometimes people just, they get upset. They get mad because they want to do what they want to do. Well, you just, you're just quenching the spirit. Whose spirit? Come on now. (laughs) Some spirits need to be quenched. And you watch it. So many of the people are always hollering about, well, you, you gotta let the spirit move. You gotta let the, they're talking about, well, that, that's cold talk. For you gotta let me do what I want to do. <laughs> huh? Hey. They know that don't sound right. Uh-huh. 
So they got to talk about the spirit. The spirit. I guess they think they are the spirit. But I'm going to know you ain't the Holy Ghost. And for somebody to come in and act like they know more about the Holy Ghost than the leaders. How disrespectful is that? They know more about how the services are supposed to go and about how the church is supposed to operate and what's supposed to go in in the church and under the church. They know more than the leaders. Man, that's presumptuous. Besides that, who are you? Right? You know, you need to learn that. It's amazing. People can write a book and put three initials on the end of their name and folk think they know something. You know what I mean by that? I mean, and, and they say, oh, it's a, it's a book, you know, hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that brings it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to ask questions. Who is this? Who, who is this wrote this book? What's their marriage like? What's their kids like? What have they ever built? What have they ever done? Because so many of these folks hadn't done anything. Hadn't done a thing. Except confuse people. You need to ask these kind of questions. And somebody pops up. And they want to correct everybody. They want to show somebody. You got, you got to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you? Who are you? Oh, the Lord sent me here. Did he now? Well, I just talked to him this morning. He didn't say nothing about you coming. See it. <laughs> Are y'all believing God with me tonight on this? This is this is important. It's really important. It, it is so sad that some young pastors and some young leaders of ministry have been so weak and ignorant in, the, in these things. There have been people just walking off the street and said, "I'm a prophet." Never seen them before. I'm an apostle, and the Lord sent me here to straighten this church out. And they go, "Oh." Apostle? There's a prophet. Well, who said they were? They did. That don't mean they are one. You can stand in the garage and say you a car. But that don't make you one. Right? (laughs) Labels is not what mean everything. And you'll find people who really are the real article, they don't go around brandishing titles. That's right. Come on with it now. They're interested in fruit. That's right. You understand, if you got a peach tree and it's got great big peaches hanging off of every branch, you do not have to put a big neon sign that says peach tree. This is a peach tree. Right? How you know it's a peach tree? It's peaches. Right? Fruit. How you know somebody's a pastor? Pastor fruit. How you know they're a prophet? Prophet fruit. Apostle, right? Fruit. Fruit. But, uh, you know, anybody that's been in the ministry for any length of time and, and has been very visible, you know, uh, just in recent times, I've had people come to my place and show up and and, you know, they're going to tell me how I'm supposed to do it. Well, I want to be open to the Lord using anybody. But at the same time, I know him too. 
Come on now. Did you hear me? I know it. And if he told somebody to come and tell me something, I'd know that. Are you with me? I'd know that. You know, this, this works in business real good. I know uh, a few years ago, a number of friends of mine were re- real pumped up about a certain investment opportunity that had come up. I got stirred up too. And they said, well, we won't let you in on it. I thought, well, great. So I began to look and see if I could put together a little money and if I could invest and, and get a part of this thing. Well, how many know you ought to pray it before you just invest? No matter who's doing it. And I said, well, we, we Christian brothers and sisters. <laughs> Boy, you better check it five times now. Is that right? Anybody start throwing that around? Are we Christians? Uh-oh. What'd you have to bring that up for? I'm serious. What, what, because they're trying to prop the deal up. The deal ought to stand on its own merits. Well, we brothers, you know, so you ought to come in. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no. And so I was, you know, we were getting ready. I was excited about it like everybody else. And I was getting excited about it. And uh, I asked the Lord the night before we were supposed to meet with the person to invest and to, to solidify the deal. I'm praying about it that night. And I said, Lord, you know, what about this? And this is what he said to me. I don't mean to heard a voice, but he said, he said, I haven't said anything to you about them. I thought, hmm, well, what does that mean? You know, I haven't said anything to you about them. That is saying something. How many remember uh, Peter on the housetop? You remember he had the division and then these four guys showed up at the door. And what did the Holy Ghost say? Go with them because I have sent them. Right? But what's the Lord saying to me on this? I didn't say, I didn't say anything to you. So what does that mean? Now, are you listening, friends? Are you awake? Listen. What does that, that means I've got no reason to trust them. I don't know them. Yeah, but they said they're Christians. I don't know them. Did you hear me? I've got no reason to trust them. Yeah, but we're brothers and, and, and so and so that you do know, they're getting in. So? The Lord has said nothing to me about this. So that is the thing that I do nothing with. Did you hear me? My flesh had kind of got pumped and excited about it, but I had to cool myself off because the Lord's already told me. He said, I didn't say anything to you about that. So that means I got no reason to believe that he sent them or that he's in this. So I backed off. Other people were pumped about it. A lot of people. But I backed off, and in two years, it was a mess. Whole deal was a fraud. Well, the Lord knows. And I was happy I didn't lose a bunch of money. (laughs) Who wants to throw your money away? No, listen. You need to ask questions. Somebody shows up in your life and they're going to prophesy to you. You're supposed to marry this one. You're supposed to go over here and do this. You're supposed to do this with your money. You need to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm prophet so-and-so. Says who? <laughs> Did you hear me? We should be quick to trust God completely without seeing 
our, our knowing, our understanding, but that does not carry over to people. Are you with me now? You are not supposed to just blindly trust everybody you see. And believers have to watch this because every day we train ourselves to walk by faith. We train ourselves to not have to see, to not have to understand, and that is great with God. But with people. Did you hear me? People will lead you wrong. People will lie to you. People are, sometimes they're not lying, they're just ignorant. And they'll fail. You're not supposed to trust people blindly. You trust people according to your relationship with them. And that takes time to build. Did you hear me? People that have been there for you and proved themselves over and over and over again, you trust them more. But somebody just walks in off the street and says, I'm an apostle. You need to be almost like they didn't say a thing. You say, fine, Mr. Apostle. Have a seat. And we'll see. Are y'all with me now? We'll see whether you is one or not. Right? <laughs> We're not against you, but we got no reason to believe it. Hmm? Now, if the Holy Ghost says something to you about him and he tells you, yeah, I sent him, listen, then great. Now, still in 2 Corinthians 10, notice this. He goes on. 2 Corinthians 10. It's obvious in verse 8. He said, though I should boast somewhat of more of our authority, which the Lord has given me for edification, not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. People who, who truly do stand powerfully in these places, they would have a right to correct and say they have no interest and desire to correct. They want to see you built up. Right? And if they did speak correction from the Lord, it's out of love. They don't want to see you, you know, robbed or, or, or destroyed in life. He said that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we're absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. See, there were some folks saying, ah, he's just all talk. He said, I want you to know I will back it up when I come. Right? How many understand leaders are supposed to, they're not supposed to be wimps. They're not supposed to be mean. They're not supposed to be selfish. They're not supposed to be cruel, but they are not supposed to be weak. They're supposed to be strong. How many know that a daddy is supposed to be a good, strong daddy? Mama's supposed to be a good, strong mama. They love you. They're kind. But they'll straighten you out too. Right? They won't let you get away with anything and everything. They'll call you on it. They'll discipline you. A good parent is like we studied before. Will be both good and severe. Like Romans 11 talked about. Now keep reading though. He said uh, in verse 13. He said we will not boast of things without our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even to you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not to you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. 
How many, listen how many times he uses this word measure. What does that mean? What's he saying? He's saying, I have a right to speak into your life. Because you are in my measure and scope of authority. God, see, God used him to go found that church. Right? The pastors and people that's over there, those churches came up under him. Got saved under him. And he says, I have, this is within my measure. But see, he didn't presume that because he's an apostle, he has a right to go to any church. Did you hear me? He said, it's within my measure. And the reason I read that is because all of us have a measure. You need to know your measure. I mean, at your house, you got a right to say something about your kids. You got a right to say something about your stuff, but you don't have a, a right to come to my house and tell my dog what to do. Right? <laughs> and I don't have a right to come to your house and tell you how to arrange your furniture, tell your kids what to do, right? No. You need to know the limits of your authority. You need to know the limits of your measure. Are you with me on this now? You need to understand the limits of your measure. And, and this varies from your household to your work to your church. Every place has different measures and different limitations. And you need to be watchful that you don't get out of your place. And if somebody else steps out of their place and out of their, they got no right. They got no place to be saying and doing what they're doing. You need to realize it and not just yield to it either and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, who are you? You need to, you need to go back to your place. You, you forgot where you are. Right? Look with me in first Timothy, please. First Timothy, the fifth chapter. Are you still believing with me? There's quite a bit more we could say if you have ears to hear it. So sometimes people don't realize it's not just a matter of going through material. It depends on how, how folk receive the first thing if you go to the second. It's a fact. First Timothy, the fifth chapter. Who should correct whom? We're asking and answering the question. Notice this. 1 Timothy 5 and 1. What does it say? He's writing to Timothy, who's a young man, came up under his ministry, and now a young man who's overseeing a work. But all indications are that he is younger chronologically. Physically, he's a younger man. Indications are that he's a young unmarried man. And the Holy Ghost through Paul writes and and tells him, now don't be rebuking elders. He's the pastor. Right? But don't be rebuking elders, but do what? Entreat them or treat them like what? Treat them like a father. Show them some respect. Right? We're talking about who should correct whom. Youngers should not correct elders as a general rule. Are you with me? Something you see is just commonplace nowadays. And it's because people, are, are their minds are molded by TV, ungodly TV, instead of the Bible. It's just a normal thing to see children correcting their parents. 
Huh? I mean, you see it all the time. And parents, they don't even see it. They, they're like, you know, young, young girl or young boy will turn around and say to their daddy or their mom, no, no, mom, that ain't right. Such and such and such. And, and mom will look around and go, they're smart, aren't they? That's indicating that you're not too smart. They got no business correcting you. Did you hear me? Even if you're wrong. It's not their place. Are y'all with me now? Now see I just got through asking you how much could you take. Because I got further to go. Are you with me or not? Do you understand this or not? Youth as a general thing. You know there, there could be some exceptions to this. But as a general thing, youth are not to correct elders. That's true chronologically. It's true spiritually. True spiritually. You know, I had the privilege of traveling with Brother Kenneth Hagin. My father, our father in the faith. And, uh, you know, I don't know at the times that people wanted to, because they knew I, I was with him part of the time, they wanted to get me to tell him this or to... To straighten out his doctrine on this or, or correct him on this or that. Do you think I ever went to him and said, <laughs> and said, uh, brother Hagen, now I'm sorry on this, but you know, you're wrong. And we're going to have to point this out to you. Hmm? Now see, you, you see and know how wrong that is, but people close to situations do it all the time. I've seen people do it with him. I've seen people correct him. You know, I cringed. It hurt me. But I got nothing to say about it. Did you hear me? I'm, I'm the younger. Well, it's no more right for your natural children to correct you than me as his spiritual child to correct him. It's the same principle. Are you with me now? Or for somebody that got saved three weeks ago to come correct the pastor. Same thing. Even if the pastor's wrong. It's not their place. It's not within their scope. It's not within their measure. Do you understand that? Now he goes on in, in another place here. Same chapter. Rebuke not an elder, but treat him how? I'm back in 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, 1. Everybody read it out loud. Rebuke not an elder. Rebuke not an elder. Do you know that uh, in the Old Testament, in the, in the law, the people were taught that when a gray head walked in, you got up. You don't sit. You don't, and you don't wait for them to come to you. You get up. You go to them. How many believe we should have these things restored in our society? We should have these things restored. I says, yeah, but they, you know, I know that they're older, but they, they, they done a lot of things wrong and, and they don't know a lot of stuff. Who do you know that knows everything? Who do you know that's done everything right? E- even if you don't respect everything a person has said or done, respect the Lord. And if he told you to do it, then you show respect to them because of him. That's what a lot of folk have not understood. A lot of the way I have treated certain people in my life It was not just because of them and my love for them. It was because I love the Lord. 
And I treated them a certain way out of my respect for him. If he says, this is my anointed, if he says, this is the one I've chosen, that's all you need to know. Right? To treat them with respect and with deference. You defer to them in situations. Here's a phrase you might want to write down. Always defer to the higher anointing. Always defer to the higher anointing. There's been times when I was in a place and I was the main speaker. And, uh, you know, God was using me to say and do some things. And somebody else came in in the building. They came in the room where I was talking and doing some things. And they were an elder of mine. You know what I do then? I get quiet. Did you hear me? If they act like they want to say something, I don't care if I'm in the middle of something. That's it. Cut it off. Defer to them. Why? Well, they're an elder. Higher place. And what if they misquote a scripture? What if they get something twisted around? What if they say something wrong? Is it for me to correct them? No. Is it for you to correct them? No. I've seen people. Elders in the faith with 50 plus years of ministry and, and they quoted something, you know, well, that's Romans uh, 5, 6. And some young whippersnapper said, no, sir, no, sir, that's Romans 6, 5. Makes you want to slap them. <laughs> Don't you know? He said, would you shut up and sit down? This man's forgot more scripture than you'll learn in the next 10 years. And you're going to correct him over a reference? But we live in a society that is just ignorant, ignorant about these things. Don't know when to shut up. They'd be in the presence of elders and greatness and just run their mouth and run their mouth and say little dumb stuff and don't know when to be quiet. Right? I don't know at the times I've, I was with Brother Hagin and people, you know, always wanting to get to him, always wanting to talk to him. And there was more than once when he, he did talk to somebody. I was with him one day. We had a service in about 40 minutes. We're in the speaker's room. Here came somebody. He let him in, which was very gracious, I thought. And he's going to talk to him for a minute because he thought it was important. I got up to leave. He said, no, you stay. So I stayed. Man came in, started talking. And he talked. 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 And I was young, but I'm thinking, you should shut up. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Wasn't my place. Right? But I'm thinking, you, you should be quiet. Cause he, you know, he just talked and he talked and he talked and he talked and he told about all his life experiences and, and what he thought and, and what he felt and his convictions and, and his take on this. How many know, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. He said, you already know everything you know. (laughs) And you're not going to learn by talking and running your mouth. But somebody else could know something you don't know. If you listen. And this is what the Bible says, be quick to hear. Not quick to talk, quick to hear and slow to speak. Most people practice that in reverse. Just you and I get it straight, right? Say it out loud. Slow to speak. Quick to hear. You know, really good listeners are rare. 
A lot of people, even if, even if they stop talking for you to say something, they're loading their pistols behind their back about what they're going to say as soon as you quit talking so they can come out with their ideas. They're not listening. They're just biding their time till they can tell. And the Bible says, in one translation said in Proverbs, a fool's only purpose is that he may reveal his own opinion. That's a fool. And the Bible also says in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Somebody's talking all the time, they're going to be sinning. You're going to be missing it. You can't talk all the time without missing it. But if you'll be selective with your words, your words will carry more weight. This guy talked and he talked. He talked and he talked. And finally, he kind of paused to catch his breath. And Brother Hagin said, well, sir, I was glad to meet you. I have to go. And we got up and went to the service. That was it. The guy wasted all his time running his mouth. He had an audience with this man of God and he just wasted it all. And I understand the Holy Ghost is not going to make you sit down and listen to him. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost now. Does the Holy Ghost make you listen? He does not. He's a gentleman. He is not going to force you to do anything. If you want to run your mouth all the time, if you want to interrupt your elders, you know, God's not going to make you hear it. But a wise person will sit and listen and watch. I'm so glad my parents had some understanding. When I was a little bitty boy, my great grandfather was alive. And uh, we'd go over to their house sometime. And on the way over, my daddy would tell, thank God for a good daddy. He'd tell me, now, son, your great-grandpa's been alive a long time. He knows a lot. You had not been alive very long. You don't know much. <laughs> so you need to sit and be quiet and listen to your grandpa. Don't interrupt him. Listen. And so we were taught that way. Thank God. Thank God. I understand a lot of kids today, they have, they have no concept of this. We'd go to grandma's house every Sunday and eat. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. I was at a pastor's church just uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and he told me his whole family, his parents, and he and his kids and their kids, they get together every Sunday at the table, and they all eat together. That's a godly good thing. And we did that growing up. Thank God for it. And, uh, you know, we knew how to sit there and watch the adults pray and, and you know, listen. And a lot of times there was company. We didn't eat at the big table. That's right. That's right. They put us at the little table. That's right. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and uh, we didn't get the first food. The guests got served first. That's right. I don't know how many. I mean, pastors and churches I've been to with many guests in the meeting, and they set their kids at the head table and serve them first. I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I'm talking about last year. Pastors. That's how ignorant this generation is of how things ought to be. So I asked you, could you take some more? So it kind of got quiet when I, when I got to that. Well, I got to take care of my babies first. Then you don't respect God. If your kids are first, God is not first. Did you hear me? Yeah, I'll take care of your kids, but you're, you're teaching them wrong. That they come first. They're the youngest. 
They're not the eldest. They need to learn. You got to wait. Right? It's good for kids to learn these things. You go, you guys go over there and sit and be quiet. And when we take care of this, I'll check on you. Huh? You don't let them pass through the line first. You don't sit there. I, I've had people sit their children right beside me at the head table. I'm the, the main speaker for the conference and the kids monopolize the conversation the whole night. And sometimes don't realize how serious it was. I had some things on my heart for the church and for the pastors. We never could get to it. Did you hear me? Why? So why didn't you just tell them to shut up and be quiet? No, it's not that simple. The Bible says you don't cast your pearls before swine. If people don't value things enough to set the environment for it, you're not supposed to bring it out. No. No. People don't understand. I know some of the extended family came in one day. And uh, we're all at the table. We're getting to sit at the big table today because there wasn't too many people. And we're sitting there. And they prayed. And, and, and so the kids said, you know, before the prayer, they said, give me some of this and give me some of that. I looked at my brother and he looked at me. We thought, boy, they're going to get it. <laughs> but they didn't get it. They didn't get a thing. And then, you know, uh, they kept hollering and jumping down from the table and getting back up. Now, we were little guys ourselves, but we knew, boy, that don't that don't cut it. You can't do that. And, and then, you know, their mother put some stuff on their plate and, and one of them ate some and they said, they spit it out and they said, ew, ew, gross, I ain't eating this. Then we looked at each other and thought, well, they got to get it now, boy. They, we, I looked at my brother, he looked at me, we thought, oh, brother, they, whoo. We, we expected them to be jerked up by the collar and right out on the porch and we were more shocked when nothing happened. We thought, we kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, and it just, nobody even pulled a shoe off, so. And that's also why we got a whole generation that doesn't respect God and don't know God. So much failure and problems and mistakes. And how many understand the, the children and youth that come up like this, they are not prepared to be a husband or a wife or a father or a mother. And that's why the Bible said, honor your parents. Obey your parents. Why? Show some honor. Show some respect. Why? So it'll go well with you. And you'll live long. Why? Because if you learn honor at home, you learn how to honor God as an adult. You learn how to show other people honor. You learn how to honor the word. You, You just understand the principles. You learned them as a little child. And these things are so much easier to learn when you're three than when you're 53. But if you never learned it at 53, you still need to learn it. He said, don't rebuke an elder. Treat him like a father. Verse 2, treat the elder women how? Like mothers. Treat Even if somebody acts rude, even, even if an elder doesn't act properly, still treat them with a certain amount of dignity just because of who they are in the place that they have, not because of their actions. How many understand your physical parents will always be your physical parents? 
They deserve a certain amount of respect and dignity no matter what they do. Did you hear me? You may not be able to respect and appreciate everything they say and do, but you must respect that place. God could have had you born to anybody. He could have had anybody raise you, but he picked them. And so you should respect that. You should honor that. Your spiritual parents exactly the same. God could have sent you to any place to get born again. He could have sent you anywhere to get fed. He's got a lot of good ministries, a lot of good churches all over the place. The people you wound up with that fed you, that led you, that helped you, they should have a special place in your life. Right? That you respect them. You honor them. Even if they get off. Even if they miss it. Even if they fail in some areas. You may not be able to approve and condone everything they say and do. But you must respect them. Show them respect. Show the place respect. The place. Because in doing so, you show God respect. Can you take some more? Let me look at you and see now. If you you take. So you got a little quiet last time on some of it. But yeah, you're looking pretty good. Let me see. I think you can take some more. Let's take some more. Who should correct whom? Go with me, if you would, over to. We're here in the fifth chapter. Just back up to the second chapter. The second chapter. In verse 1, let's begin reading. All this goes together. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men. Kings, all that in authority, we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Skip down to verse uh, 8. I will that men pray. Now, these next two words are important. That they pray what? Everywhere. Now, is this talking about a church service? No, it's not talking about. And and it's important because people try to relegate or limit the things in this passage to a church service. But he's talking about what? Everywhere. He's talking about life. Pray where? Well, praying without ceasing would involve praying everywhere. Doesn't mean you got to yell and scream, but you're always talking to the Lord. That's right. Right? Anytime something comes up, you ask Him for help, you ask Him for direction, you look into Him. Men pray everywhere, and you shouldn't be embarrassed to lift up your hand. Right? Pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in ugly apparel. Oh, no. (laughs) But that's how some people read it, don't they? They equate. No, what do you say? They're not not to be ugly. Just modest. Anybody know what modest means? Come on, help me. You said you could take some more. Are, are Are you ready? What does modest mean? Not to, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Not too low, not too high, not too tight, not too thin, right? Modest, modest. And he said, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair and golden pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. He's not saying you can't dress up. He's not saying you can't have jewelry. He's not saying you can't fix your hair. 
He's saying, don't look to that, that that's what makes you beautiful. Did you hear me? Because it's your insides that make you beautiful. To God and man, don't spend all your time on your hair. Don't spend all your time on your clothes. But the things uh, that have to do with godliness. Verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed and then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Come on. <laughs> you hear how quiet it is? <laughs> Are these good scriptures? That was a little weak. Did you hear that? I was like, are these good scriptures? Or are there parts of the Bible, the New Testament, that are irrelevant? And just don't, you know, they're old fashioned. And, uh, I mean, you gotta watch. You take any verse and say, well, you know, that don't apply today. Well, what comes next? And what comes next? If this is the word of God, it is not a time limited book. It is not a culture restricted or generation restricted book. These are good scriptures. Some people have used like verse uh, 12, I suffer not a woman to teach. They've used that to say that a woman cannot, should not ever teach the word. Should not ever teach in so-called mixed company where there's men and women. I don't believe that. My wife taught at the church when I was here Sunday morning. I believe there are numerous indications in the scripture that show the New Testament that show that women helped Paul speak and teach and preach in the gospel. Well, if that, if it doesn't mean that women should not preach the gospel, what does it mean? Well, it means what it says. And one thing that I, uh, one reason I, I had you repeat that other, is this limited to a service, a church service? No, no what did he say? Ev- this is everywhere, and he sums it up by talking about Adam and Eve, who were husband and wife. Right. Are you with me? So in the context of husband and wife, and everywhere, read it again. Verse 12, I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Then he talks about husband and wife. This has application to husbands and wives. And it has application to the woman, the wife, usurping authority over her husband and teaching him as his superior. Come on. Come on. Are you with me now? I says, well, what does that mean? Does that mean the woman's inferior to the man? No. It's a difference of place. And every marriage, according to Ephesians, is supposed to be a beautiful type of Christ and the church. Right? The husband is supposed to be portraying every day in his house, in private, in public, everywhere, how Christ loves the church and cares for the church. The wife is supposed to be displaying every day in the house, private and public, what? How the church responds to the Lord, loves the Lord, respects the Lord. 
Did you hear me? It's got nothing to do with inferiority of gender. And anything that any preacher would teach about the wife submitting to the husband, men practice it in whoever's over them. Did you hear me? I'm supposed to su- submit to my elders just like my wife is supposed to submit to me. Now here, <laughs> here is something that a lot of people have had trouble with at home. Who has a right to correct whom? Should the wife be correcting her husband all the time? What does this passage mean? How, how do we apply this verse? Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? We're not talking about what you think. We're not talking about what I think. What did this say? What does it mean? If it doesn't mean that women are not supposed to preach the gospel or be used to teach and preach, what does it mean? Well, I just told you. In the context of husband and wife, the wife usurping authority over her husband. I got a wonderful wife. She's a great blessing. I'm telling you, after the Holy Ghost, she's my helper. And I'm telling you, I don't know, you know, how I'd make it without her. But uh, she's real strong. I mean, she's no doormat. And um, in the first days of our, our ministry, she worked in a secular field and oversaw offices and hired and fired people. And so she's, I mean, she's used to running the show, right? She does it all day long. And numerous times, these are in the early days of our marriage and ministry, she'd come home and I'm there and she'd start telling me what to do. <laughs> Just like she did to people at work. I mean, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. And more than once I had to say, whoa, whoa, you're home. <laughs> You're home. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm not your employee. I'm not, I, I don't work for you. I'm your husband. I'm supposed to be the head of the house. Are you listening? <laughs> now, here's some good advice if you can hear it. Here's some good advice. This applies in all relationships. We're talking about right now about husbands and wives. The scripture said what? Don't usurp authority. Don't act like you're the head. Right? And don't teach them like you're the head. Phyllis, my wife, woman of God, man, she hears from God. She gets things from God. She's helped me constantly all the time. I ask her frequently. What do you think? What are you getting? What's it? What do you have in your heart about this? What do you think about this? We talk about stuff. I want to know. I listen. Now, I don't get her to do my praying for me. I don't know what the men have told me. Well, you know, I don't pray that much. My wife's the prayer. That ain't okay. Thank God if you've got a wife that prays and hears from God. She can't do your praying for you. She can't do your hearing from God for you. And I want to know. I value what she gets. 
But if she comes in and says, now Keith, sit down here and let me tell you how it's going to be. She begins to teach me about what's supposed to happen and how it's supposed to be. She has gotten out of her place. She's teaching me like I'm supposed to be submitting to her. Did you hear me? She's usurped her place. Ladies, let me give you a real good tip. One of the best things to do in situations like this, especially if it's something that you feel strongly about, don't tell them, don't tell your husband, ask a question. Are you with me? I'm serious now. Ask a question. Instead of looking at them and go, no, no, honey, that ain't right. No, you ain't going to do that. Oh, really? Now, any man that's worth his salt ain't going to like that. Any man that's not a wimp. Are you with me now? He's not going to like that. Especially publicly. Doing it in front of other people. Now look, if we're painting your picture real strong here, just look straight ahead and smile. And don't, don't, don't give on like it applies to you even that much. You just go, amen, brother Keith, yeah. Uh, somebody needs to hear that. And then if you need to, when you get home tonight, you can fall across the bed and go, oh God, oh God. But right now, just stay cool and just look straight ahead. <laughs> I was in a place some years ago and, and uh, it was a couple, they'd been married, I think they'd been married 50 years. Beautiful people. And there was room full of us, you know, fellowshipping and talking. And, and the man, he starts telling something. And he tells about three statements of it. And his wife says, no, no. And she called his name. She said, no, no, just shut up. No, you got it all wrong. Let me tell you. And so he shut up, and I looked at him. I watched him while she talked, and I saw he gave up years ago on being a man, being the head of his house. It just was too much trouble. It just cost too much. (laughs) To him, he decided it wasn't worth it, so he quit, and he gave in. But listen. Every pastor, every head of every church, every head of every home, every head of every ministry is going to stand very soon before the judgment seat of Christ. Did you hear me? And it ain't going to cut it to stand up there and go, yeah, but now, Lord, you know my wife and you know how they were and you know how my elders were. And I, he ain't going to hear it. I said, he's not going to hear it. He ain't going to cut it. You're going to be responsible for what you did or didn't do. And... Uh, I saw he gave up a long time ago. And, you know, actually just a, just a month or so ago, I was talking to some people that were in, in the car. Phyllis and I was in the car. These folks were in the car. You know, we met each other. And uh, he was trying to talk across her, you know, and he was saying something. And she told us, she slapped his hand. She said, now just shut up. Shut up. No, you're wrong. And she she's going to tell us the way it really is. Even if he was wrong, this is worse. Did you hear me? It'd be the same principle of me doing that to Brother Hagin. How many know? Me, me in a meeting with Brother Hagin. And he tells something wrong. And I say, no, 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 Brother Hagin used to be quiet. No, no. 
How's a wife doing that to her husband any different? How's a child doing that to their parent any different? How's a young believer doing that to their pastor any different? It's exactly the same principle. Same thing. It's people usurping their place, getting out of their place, usurping another's place. And there, there are people, it is not your place to teach. Did you hear me? It's not your place to teach them. And so a lot of times, especially in close relationships like husbands and wives, it'll help you, uh, you know, parents and children. All of these relationships, if you do feel like you've got something, if you feel like that they are, they're, they're really messing up and they're wrong and you don't want them to look bad, ask a question. Honey, is this this way? Is that the way it is? And so many things, how many understand, you don't do publicly in front of other people. Right? Husbands are wives. If your wife is wrong, you don't call her down in front of somebody else. If your husband's wrong, you don't call him down in front of somebody else. Right? Yeah, but they're telling it wrong. So what? So what? Yeah, but I know the details. Big deal. So what? Honor is important. Respect is important. The word is important. Right? Place is important. Who has a right to correct whom? Now, this is just a sampling of things, but read the scripture with a renewed interest in these areas. Right? Look for things like this and see where where it fits and where it doesn't. And be open. And there, the Holy Ghost, He knows how everything should be done. And if you'll be open to Him, you'll be going along in the situation and you'll start to say something. The Holy Ghost will check you. You need to be quiet. And you'll go, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, you tell it. Right? Defer. Defer. Defer to your elders. I don't care if they get it all mixed up. I don't care if they don't tell half that you know all the details. So what? Show some respect. Defer. Defer. Pray this out loud. Father God, I love you. Love your holiness. Your things are right. Your word is right. In any areas that I've not been in agreement with your word, I'm wrong. You're right. Teach me. Show me, reveal to me your honor, your glory. Help me to recognize others who have a place over me in all walks of life, in all relationships. Give me the discernment and the understanding to show deference and reverence and respect and honor to whom honor is due to not try to teach people I should not be teaching to not try to correct people I should not be correcting in Jesus name thank you for revealing yourself to me in all these areas and as you show me I'll do it I'll receive it. I'll follow it. And get glory to yourself. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.